Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Rev. J. Herbert Nelson, the stated clerk of the Presbyterian Church USA, delivers the message entitled, Help Wanted, No Experience Necessary. So join us now from the sanctuary of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab. Let me give thanks and honor to God for this privilege today to be with you. And greetings from the Office of the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church USA and for the great work that you have done in this space and the power of faith that I witnessed on last night in the get-together. I'm here to tell you I've never seen anyone in my life work on an instrument as I seen last night. That was amazing. <laughs> I did not know whether I was supposed to stand and clap or whether I was supposed to shout, but I felt sorry for that instrument because it worked out. <laughs> that was a celebration. Today, we, I bring you greetings from the Office of the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church as we continue to find ourselves in a time of reform. We've been through the Reformation and we've talked about it for many years. And yet we've come to the conclusion throughout these days and actually since my tenure that we needed another Reformation in the life of Christendom. And having an opportunity to be here today and to see the mighty work that this church has done, I think I have some other things to go back and say to the folks in the headquarters. We still have a lot of work to do. I am convinced that Christendom in the 21st century is under reconstruction. And we are going to have to find formative ways of catching up to the rest of the world to address the contextual realities that individuals face from day to day and the systems of corruption that keeps us from being the people that we ought to be, that we might truly be able to boast as being outside of the church, that we are truly the people of God who seek the best for all people. I am humbled to be here today to carry a word back to our headquarters on tomorrow and to share with them the places that we can actually go and the dreams and visions that only God can give, not just in the sanctuary, but your outreach in the life of this community. I'm thankful today to have my wife with me today. She uh, is a person who uh, corrects me and reminds me and. Uh, make sure I'm on time and all of those good things. Um, I have to say and give thanks to God for sending her in my life, the Reverend Gail Porter Nelson. And when you hear the word Reverend, yes, I want to let you know she is also my preacher. <laughs> I don't always like to hear her sermons, but I'm here to tell you, she is my preacher and uh, I listen attentively uh, 
devour whatever she has to say. And so I would ask us just for a moment before uh, this prayer, for us to take a time in prayer. Let us pray. Eternal God, our dwelling place in all generations, we come today to hear your word, to celebrate, but even to celebrate, to allow our minds to be re-engaged and to remember the power of your work. Thank you for TAB. Thank you for its history. Thank you for the way it has lifted up this world and given visions to preachers just like me. I come today in the humble power of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has brought us to this moment and this time of celebration. Hear your voice in this moment. Amen. Our text for today that I am reading, I am actually using a couple of texts. Uh, one this morning I would like to lift up uh, from the prophet Isaiah, and the other from the Gospel of Luke. Let us listen to the word of our Lord. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up upon a throne of grace. There were seraphims that came around, and in the midst of us, the calling of Isaiah comes from these words. We are reminded through these words that Isaiah came not simply as a prophet, but as a cupbearer for the king. I'm paraphrasing today because I want you to get the gist of what the spirit is leading through this text. The cupbearer became not only the one who held the cup for the king, but was also the individual who became the next prophet, his name being Isaiah. Another paraphrase part of the text for today that I will use, and I use these paraphrases because I want you to hear the true grounding of where some of these texts come from. The next text comes from Luke, and it reminds us in this moment of the context. How do we begin to lift up the voice of the Lord? Corinthians comes in the midst of this and raises the question, causes us to scan what it is to be faithful in these days and to call and carry out the word of the Lord. It is in Luke 1 through 5, and hearing the words that speak to us, that we are called out 
to a spirit of joy and of happiness along the journey, but even more the spirit and the calling to hear the voice of the Lord. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Eternal God, our dwelling place in all generations, let us hear your word. Let us be deepened in your spirit. And may we walk by faith and not by sight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The prophet Isaiah, in his reading, reminds me of my childhood growing up in a place called Orangeburg, South Carolina. I know you've heard of it before. <laughs> Great people have come out of Orangeburg, South Carolina. And not only that, Orangeburg, South Carolina, a very small town. It's amazing when I go back home, having gone in so many ways across the United States of America and across the globe, that every time I go back home to Orangeburg, I remember that Orangeburg is still the same. It has not changed very much. But one thing I really remember as a jumping star of what my life would be as an adult, although I was not one at the time, it was my going into a shoe store right there in Orangeburg, South Carolina, and being reminded of just how the Lord can work in so many different ways. I was a high school student. My mother went into the shoe store in order to try on shoes, and as she was sitting there, there was a gentleman who came to me and he asked, do you want to have a job? I was a high school student, not really having ever had a job, except the ones that my mother gave me at home and my father gave me at home. And to be quite honest with you, I was uh, very tired of doing their work and I was grateful to have a Saturday afternoon, or at least during the days of Saturday, to be able to be in someone else's work and knowing that I was going to get paid. Little did I know until later in my life, just about two years later, that the money that I was making at the shoe store, actually I could have stayed at home and with my, the money that was given to me on allowance still have made as much money as I did working for the shoe store. But I had an escape. I had an escape. As Mr. Kribalovic came by and he began to ask questions about me and what I was doing in school, what was my ambition for life? I really didn't know. I was a high school student just kind of wandering around and knew some things that I saw in the pe other people doing. I thought about what it might mean to do many things and I tried to describe that to him in one place. He said, well, let me tell you something. I'm a shoe salesman, and I have this shop here, and I need somebody to help me. And I'm going to ask your mother whether or not you can work with me on Saturdays. I said, well, I've never worked at a shoe store, and I don't know what to do. He said, you don't need. You don't need anything except to know that I'm going to walk you through this process. 
The sermon of this text today comes really, really around that particular experience in my life. You see, what Mr. Krivolovic did in that moment was he offered me a job. Didn't need any experience. Help was wanted. Wow, listen to the sign. Opening a door. No experience. And yet at the same time, help was needed. I contend that as we think of the text that comes from the reading today, and particularly the paraphrasing of Isaiah, he begins to see the Lord in the midst of a trial and a struggle in his life, struggling with what it means when King Uzziah dies, and when he sees the power that he has within himself, given the opportunity to lead, to build, to strengthen, the community in which he was living, opening the opportunities for uh, a better place, not just for himself, but for others. In the king year of King Uzziah died, he says, I found the Lord high and lifted up upon a throne of grace. Wow, what an experience. What an understanding. His eyes was open in the midst of a death a death of one who he loved, who he served, who taught him all of the work of being a cupbearer for the king. And here he is now finding himself moving from that lofty position to a place now of directing what it means to be a part of the faith that God is calling us to. Something changed in him Something brought about a new life, an understanding of what it meant to be a person of faith. I'm convinced that Isaiah had no idea what he was signing up for. He was a person who basically did the bidding for the king. He was a cupbearer, a cupbearer. And here now he is becoming a prophet and learning what it means to take on the hard and harsh realities of the context in which he is helping to bring individuals out of, of hearing the voice of a Lord that he does not see, walking faithfully in some trying times in his own life, and yet declaring that somehow God has something in store for him. Does it sound familiar? Does it sound like the life that we live oftentimes? Doing the best we can, trudging along, giving our lives to all kinds of ways uh, to be able to get a good living, to feed our families, to open our doors to others who may be left out, and some of them even in our families, and yet trying to teach away sometimes that we don't even know what we are trying to help another person learn because the lessons that we are still having to deal with, they're lessons that we are learning as well. You see, something about life that the Lord has given us in free will has offered us to be able to do that which we need to do on this side of heaven, to lift up the joy of the Lord, and not only that, to lift up humanity 
and to be a better place. And for individuals who did not know how to make it in life, but to give them opportunities they'd never seen before. The construct of the church of Jesus Christ is actually an underpinning of all of that work. It's a recognition that there is work to be done. There are people who need our life. There are individuals who will not be able to make it unless they have some help along the way. And some of them may not look like us. They might not act like us. They might not see a vision that we might see. They may not in any way ever had anyone to coach them or to push them through the vicissitudes of life. And yet, we are called the church to engage them, to walk with them, to give them life and hope along the way, even at the risk of being misunderstood, even at the risk of not necessarily getting the accolades that we would normally have. You know, we signed up for a job when we came to the Church of Jesus Christ, a job with no real job description. Oh, I know you have uh, work and things that you have here in the life of the church. I know how we put people to work in the life of a denomination. I know how we put people together on the ground floor when they come in the door and we have all of these trainings for them and what they ought to be doing and what the church is about. We give them all kinds of packets and all of these things. But you know what? The reality of church life is the same as the reality of every other life that we've had. We are showing up at a place where we don't know where God is going to take us. We don't know where the spirit is going to move. We don't know what is going to happen from day to day. We live in a place of hope and possibilities, but we don't know. We don't know what that's going to mean. And there's something about the Church of Jesus Christ that no matter how bad we get sometimes, no matter how many times we argue in session meetings, don't act like you don't. I know you do. I've been a pastor of three congregations. I know what a session meeting is like. And yet at the other end of it, somehow or another, we find a testimony of love and of joy. We find some ground, a groundswell of what it means to hold on to faith, even when we don't have it inside of ourselves. Figure out how even in our session meetings that we might have from time to time, where we struggle over and over again with an issue and we don't agree with each other. But yet when we get that call, that, that loved one, that one who's been with us, a friend has lost their mother, their father, their sister, their child. The session meetings and the argument we had last week, they don't matter anymore because love abides and the power and the strength of faith abide and the opportunity to build again. That moment that I learned in that shoe store, there's no real experience necessary because the ground floor of being the church is love. Love, love. Getting over ourselves and learning to turn to the God of salvation the prophet Isaiah never 
dreamed of being a prophet. He was a cupbearer for the king. He had a ceremonial kind of way of doing things. But when King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord. He saw the hurts of people, the pain that they had in their communities. He saw those who were left behind and hurting and had no other way. No longer was it a ceremony that he had to conduct. It was putting his life on the line, standing in the midst of people who had no way and knew nothing other than defeat. And he became a prophet. And if you read the Old Testament, you will find out that prophets were not people who were liked. And they were unusual people. They didn't seem like they had good sense on most times. And they did things that no one understood. They went in places nowhere else wanted to go. No people wanted to be there. They went among people who weren't worthy of coming into the temple and didn't look like temple people. And they didn't act like temple people. And they said some words that let you know that they didn't know what they were getting into. As I have been able to stand for a little while and read some of the history of Tab, I come to understand that you are representing a prophetic voice in the life of this community, going into the places nobody else wants to go. A man named Jesus did some of the same, even until his death upon a cross, the brokenness of his spirit, because those who stood around him and even were healed by him could not stand for him in the midst of his dying. And yes, even his followers who gathered together in an upper room in fear after he was dead, he, appalled, he came to them and had to help them through the power of the Holy Spirit to get their lives back together. That they might be able to walk by faith and not by sight. I had an opportunity and a joyous one to hear all about Tab by a very, very, very proud and giving leader of this church. I don't know if you know it or not, but I just met a man who eats, who drinks, who loves, and who lives through the gospel of faith and doing for others. And a congregation I stand in front of today who follows that leadership. Now don't think I'm naive. There have been some hard session meetings, haven't there? There have been some struggles in this congregation in terms of what we should or should not do. How do I know? I passed it for a long time before coming to the office where I am. And even in that office that I'm in now, we go through the same struggles over and over again. Because there is something about the gospel that is stirring in our souls. And we have to take time to deliberate over what it really means to be a church, what it really means to offer ourselves to humanity. And yes, what does it really mean to take a risk over and over again 
And I am convinced that the church that does not take a risk is really not a church. Remember, our Savior lost his life for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The electric chair of his day. The cross. And he held it up as a mantra of power and strength. And when we read him and his words, and even if we read the prophets, we come to the conclusion that these were individuals that did not know what they were getting into. And they got into some things that quite frankly, it was on the job training. It was lifting up some things that they saw in the moment and said, we've got to do something about it. There's an urgency. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom much love is offered to us, we must be able to give back to some others. Tell me, what church in the world that you can think of, other than Tab, that would have a football field? A football field. I know that on Sunday, uh, football is like God for many of us. <laughs> we got to get there before kickoff. I, I know it. And, and I know you're hoping today you'll get there before kickoff. I, I know it. But what church offers the opportunity to engage a football field? as a part of a ministry. I am convinced that this really is the cutting edge of the, of the 21st century ministry that we all must learn to have throughout Christendom. The unorthodox, the unspoken, the say what? That's really what ministry to be effective in this period of history has to be. The changing of people's lives, the offering of hope to individuals who have not yet been able to find it and who will not find it. Those who are in failing schools but need help and education. Those who are able to walk by faith in all things and declare we don't know the answer, but we are going anyhow. And we don't need necessarily all of the accolades that we'll take a building and a hospital and a homeless shelter and things that don't look like the people who come to church and people who don't look like people who come to church and transform their lives and be reminded that we have a responsibility not to people but to the Lord to do the bidding of helping people along this highway called life. And that's what ministry is all about. You have over and over and over demonstrated that. The text this morning reminds us over and over when it speaks to the context of all of this that actually experience is not really the key in doing this. It's the heart, it's the spirit. It's just like Mr. Kribalovic when he hired me. He said, 
straight up with the title of this particular sermon today, Help Wanted, No Experience Necessary. Gave me a job, no experience. Gave me an opportunity. And that's what you're doing in the life of this community. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel that took Jesus into places that no one else wanted to go and yet reminded him that those same people could not make it without it and without the presence. And when he healed, he didn't just heal and leave. He stayed and tarried. And he offered hope. And he wiped tears away. And he spent time getting to know their names. And yes, he had a bunch of folks following him. And they really didn't know what they were doing most of the time. But you know, they fell in line as they went along because they realized the impact that their life, their life was being changed. Because it wasn't about them, but it was about the world that was in need of them. When I began to look at your connection a health center? Wow. What does this world need right now? What do indigent people need? What do individuals need in this moment in order to make it? We ride by the homeless. We look at the homeless. We turn our heads to the homeless. But you all stopped along the road and said, no, we're going to shelter them. We're going to feed them. We're going to stand in the midst of them. We're going to take a building, a building built for and by our church, and we're going to turn it over to them, those who are leading and the social, and the social uh, connections to them in the work of social work and otherwise, and saying we're going to do the work. We made our contribution. We turn it over to a community. That's what the ministry of Jesus Christ was all about. He went into towns. Folks looked at him funny. He acted a little strange. He looked a little strange. And at the end of the day, when he finished all of his great work, he shook the dust off of his feet and went on to another place and carried on the work, not looking back saying, look what I did, but continuing to move forward, continuing to lift up the banner of faith. Help wanted. Help wanted. No experience necessary. That's what ministry is all about. It's the ministry of the heart and the spirit. It's the ministry of love to those who are loveless. It's the ministry of those who are not counted, who are not broken in, who are not offered the same opportunities. And yes, there will be those who will continually ask you because I know they've asked you before. That's what people do. Why do you keep doing this over and over again? Why is it necessary? 
It is necessary because we know the redemptive love of Jesus Christ in our own lives. We would not be here without the grace of God. We would not be here without having an opportunity to have the health care we have and the opportunities that are placed before us. There's a thank you Jesus moment every time we ought to wake up, every time we reach out. Not a complaint, not too much, not too little. But let us be reminded there is a God who at every step of our life has never, ever turned a back on us. And even through our tears and our brokenness and our pain, we can still come out to the church house on Sunday morning, just as you are doing today, and look back over the years and say, the Lord has brought us a mighty long way. Amen. Amen. You've been sick. And a church member came and showed some love. How did they learn that love? They learned it because they were sick. Folk who are out here with no help, how do they know love? Because somebody stopped along the way and reminded them that everything's gonna be all right because you don't stand alone. How do children who go to school every day and they sometimes don't graduate with a high school diploma in the United States of America. It's a shame. But how do we engage it? We walk by faith and not by sight. That's what our Bible reminds us of. That God will make a way somehow. But that way is to be made by people like you and me. And to know the blessings that we have received. And to be willing to pass it on to others. I wish I could stand here today and just name off all of the preachers who've come through this church. I tried to get it together, but I couldn't. But you all have had some fantastic leadership over the years. You've been a fantastic church over the years and a model for this denomination called the Presbyterian Church USA. I got a lot of good words to go back and to tell the headquarters of the work that you're doing and the reminder of who we are. And why is that important? Because we learn from places like you. You see, we deal a lot of times in the headquarters with uh, dotting I's and crossing T's. We do a lot of that. And yet at the same time, we come through with some constructive ways, but I am always one that is quite anxious about it because it takes too long. What I've seen and what I've heard by riding around in your pastor in this community, and what I've seen with the respect of those who have spoken of this church, right downtown where we were staying, quite frankly, in the hotel, they knew who you were. They know who you are. They know what you've done. But you know the interesting part about all of this is you not only do it, you do it right, you're not perfect. I know you're not. We're people. We're, we're not perfect. But the way to do it right is to do what Jesus did. He healed a bunch of folks. And once he did it, 
he went on to somewhere else. He didn't tarry and ask for a sandwich. He didn't ask to see what their home looked like. He didn't try to stay around and do all of the things that we like. Give me some hospitality. Can we sit down and have a ball game with you now? Can you, uh, uh, what's that on the wall? You mind giving that to me since I helped you out? And that wasn't Jesus. He shake the dust off his feet and he'd go to the next place, which meant he was continually doing great things, continually moving beyond where they once were and teaching the disciples to do the same. We're tired. We're hurting. Can't we go back? No. Shake the dust off your feet and let's go to the next place. I just stopped by here today to tell you, you're doing a great work. You've liberated, kept captives. You've lifted up the joy of the possibilities of faith. You've been able to see a vision even, even in times of trial and strife and yes, session meetings. That's what we're called to do, to find the greatest resistance to the gospel and stay there, and stay there. Now, what do we do with this? Continue to keep the sign up. Help wanted. No experience necessary. We can all serve. We can all give. We can all love. We can all embrace the otherness of the other. And in the end, we can all celebrate I don't know about you, but when I get back to Louisville, Kentucky, they're gonna be tired of me when they keep hearing, tab, tab, tab. And why? Because it's good news, not just for you, but for our denomination. You have put an imprint on this state of clerk that I am convinced in the days to come you will see your impact even in a place that believes it's a headquarters. And I say believe because I've got a different idea of the headquarters just by being with you. Don't give up on the journey. Walk by faith and not by sight. And start right now, if you already have, have not, to think what's next. Because to once those who are given, each and every one of us, we have a responsibility to love. Love never ends never ends.
Rejoice for a little while. Say hallelujah for a little while. We'll get ready to go back to work. There's a world waiting for you to continue to turn this world upside down. I want to thank you for this invitation to proclaim the gospel today, to have been to the shindig on last night, and to be a part of a wonderful and powerful congregation that does not rest on your laurels, but instead you look for the next best thing to make a difference. Thanks, Peter Tab. Thanks, Peter God. You're listening to Sunday with Tab, a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org, tap on the graphic marked sermons and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indie. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabpres.org. That's T-A-B-P-R-E-S dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab. Sunday with Tab.